A word to the wise. This episode contains spoilers for Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas. Listener discretion is advised. On this week's episode of Electronic Fun, I'm joined by Sir B to dive deep into Obsidian's iconic FPS RPG Fallout New Vegas and post-apocalyptic posting wars. So please, join me. Let's have some fun. Justin Trudeau is the master of disguise. Having a having your head of state uh, be an actor is is just fucking great to see how many <laughs> pictures of him in costumes there are. Is Half Justin of Trudeau which are actor? incredibly racist. He was an actor. He was a drama teacher, and then he was an actor for a time. And he and he just decided to run for prime minister because his dad was the prime minister. Yeah, I mean, fuck it. Why not? How embarrassing. <laughs> Anyway, welcome back to Electronic Fun. Uh, this is a Shatterball production. Th- this is. We've got B here who does the Shatterball production voice at the end of every episode. <laughs> I did not pay him for that. I'm using unpaid labor. Uh, but yeah, you know, B has obviously been on, uh, was on Spidey Signals in the past. Uh, and it's very exciting to have B on here to talk about uh, one of my personal favorite games. Uh, also one of his personal favorite games. Uh, it's it's time for Fallout New Vegas. Hell yeah, baby. Which I would, I think I talked about this in the last episode. Uh, I, 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 would genu- I would genuinely consider it to be probably the best game of the last decade. Mm, yeah, uh, it, it's definitely in the top five for sure. It is. It's it's certainly the best. I wouldn't say it's the most influential, though it is very, it, 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 it's more of a cult following type game. I would say the most influential game of the last decade is probably the original Dark Souls. Uh, I wouldn't even say it has a cult following because if you were to ask any Fallout fan, um, they would say that uh, most of them would say that New Vegas is their favorite game. I think I think it's on par with any other Fallout game, um, maybe even Skyrim. I, I think it's that this game has a much, uh, you, you know, it doesn't have as much of a a, a, a method into the. It, it doesn't have a. What am I trying to say here? It doesn't have as much of an entry into like the general populace as something like a Fallout 4 or a Skyrim or a Fallout 3. Okay, uh, yeah. It's it's really it's really a game for old heads, I would say, in a lot of ways. Uh, because hmm. it's, it's more in line with the first two games than uh three or four. But before we get into all of that, let let's let's hit up with the very first question. Who are you? How would you describe yourself? Hello, my name is Sir B. I'm a I'm a, a streamer hobbyist. I'd say I, I don't do it for a living. I I just sort of do it as a, a side fun thing. Um, and I've been streaming for about a year and a half now. Uh, I think my first big stream was a charity stream for uh, Extra Life, uh, and then recently for uh, Doctors Without Borders, where I played Fallout New Vegas. Um, specifically Fallout New Vegas uh, with a randomizer mod uh, and it was hell and it was chaos and it was a lot of fun um, but in my in my day-to-day uh, I am a, a computer programmer uh, and I've You're been a big uh, nerd 
I'm a big fucking nerd who has no idea what the goddamn hell he's doing. I'm going to put you um, in a locker. And they're going to put me in a locker and they're going to d- d- pants me in front of homecoming. Uh, and um, yeah, I've been, I've been a huge fan of Fallout for a long time now. Uh, Lex, you, you've seen my collection of Fallout Gugas and consumer this is, consumerables. This is true. I have, I have one I'm actually going to send you that I haven't done that yet. Because uh, I, I don't, I've never, it's been so long since I sent somebody, somebody something in the mail. I have to like get stamps and shit. Uh, um basically you've seen the meme of the guy looking at uh the the suit of power armor and he says wow the wasteland is cool i want to buy products and then there's the arrow going over his head that says consumerism is bad and will destroy the world i'm the guy you're the guy you're the guy i'm the guy who buys products and claps my hands when i see power. man i I wish i wish games didn't have so many politics in them nowadays i'd rather play play a game game without politics has no politics. <laughs> uh, oh. So, so where? How did your sort of relationship? This is a two prong question. The first one is the usual one I ask, which is, how did your relationship with games begin? Like, how did you start playing games? Oh God, you're you're asking an ancient thirty uh, something year old man uh, uh, about the earlier times in his life. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna. This is all half remembered things. Um, because I'm trying to remember like what my first console was and our family bought the a Magnavox super, Odyssey, the Magnavox, the, the original Atari 2600. No, um, the first console our family had, um, would have been a super NES, which was bought for my brother. And the first game our family had would have been super Mario world. Which what a what a great game to start off with, um, as sort of part of your 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 history with games, uh, easily one of the best games ever made in IMO. Oh, yeah. it, uh, and then from there, I can't remember what my first console was. I think it was the the original Game Boy, and I think I had either Tetris. Or Super Mario Land. I think that was the first console that was that was for me that that I owned. Um, and then from there, moving on to uh, the the N sixty four, which would have been my second console, and then that sort of opened up my my real love for games because with the Game Boy, I had Super Mario Land, I had Tetris. I had DuckTales for some reason, uh, and then I had uh, Link's Awakening, which is what a great series of games to to sort of start off your gaming career with. Uh, and then later on, uh, my 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 dear sweet Mima and Peepaw bought me the N sixty four, and I had uh, Super Mario sixty four. I had Banjo Kazooie. I think we had Wetris, and I didn't understand the game at all, or Wetrix, whatever that weird water puzzle game was uh so that's no that's sort of my my yeah that's sort of my earlier history with gaming so so you didn't you you didn't really grow up around pc gaming a lot did you no i think the first pc game i ever owned was rayman 3d for the pc <laughs> but i remember our computer didn't have a graphics card and like i didn't know what a graphics card was and my parents didn't know what a graphics card was so like when we bought the game and i couldn't play it 
we we sort of decided, okay, well, I think it's about time that we get like a, a like a better family computer. Uh, and then sort of from there, I started playing Roller Coaster Tycoon, uh, and then and then Rayman, uh, and then uh, I th- Black and White, the the, uh, <laughs> the Peter, Peter Molyneux, Molyneux hit game. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So sort of from there. I I didn't I didn't start off with some of the old head games like Doom or the original Fallout's even. It wasn't until 3D gaming was sort of becoming a more a more uh a staple of the PC gaming world that I got into a lot of those games. Yeah, that was that was the second prong of this question. It was what was your history with the Fallout franchise? And so obviously you didn't really have any experience with the first two games or that were on PC. No, no, I would have probably my first Fallout game was Fallout 3, and I would have played it on the console. Um, I, I would have played it on the the Xbox 360. And I I don't know if I got any of the DLCs with the 360 version. I think I didn't play the DLCs until I got the PC version later on. When I had my own, when I had my own PC in my awful, awful be playing world of warcraft era of my life um, <laughs> just just the just the darkest years of my life world of warcraft oh, and yeah. um and uh yeah and and then from there my second game would have been fallout new vegas i wouldn't have visited the the earlier fallout games until after new vegas when mm. uh, when those games were sort of released on steam yeah, because th- this game, uh, we're going to get into it later. This game is made by Obsidian, who is mm. made who uh, is a company made up a lot of uh, ex uh, team members from Black Isle Studios, who made the original two Fallout games. Uh, and then Black Isle was part of Interplay, and then Interplay went bust, uh, and a lot of the, that team moved on to Obsidian and made a bunch of other games. But uh, mm-hmm. the the one that we're talking about here is New Vegas. Uh, and you know, I would I would say that a lot of people's first introduction to the series was three, uh, because the first two games were they were they sold well, they were popular, but they were still very niche isometric RPGs for the PC in the late nineties. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they'd be more popular with like the Baldur's Gate crowd than like uh, probably people playing Doom on their Super Nintendo. And uh, I think even some of the people who worked on Icewind Dale moved on to work on on uh, the Fallout games as well. Yeah, there was a lot of interconnection between the uh, different different uh, RPG games uh, and and the staff who worked on them in in sort of that era of gaming. Yeah. So, what is Fallout New Vegas? What is it? What's it about? Uh, give us give us the sort of lowdown on that. And I'm gonna say it's because everyone always forgets. All of my guests. This is a spoil. You could talk about whatever spoilers you want. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a, a an over decade old game at this point. Um, if you haven't played Fallout New Vegas, number one, you should, and number two, uh, uh, yeah, spoilers. If if you're one of the the many many Canadians listening to this podcast, this popular uh, Canadian centric podcast, let me go to let me go uh, to my stats and see what we got at Canadian. You keep talking. I'm gonna go check number my stats. one in the world. Number one podcast for Canadians everywhere. Um, Fall of New Vegas takes place in a a sort of 
alternate history future America where the world hasn't moved on culturally from the 1950s, from sort of that mid-century point, uh, but has made great technological advancements in that there's fucking laser weapons and nuclear-powered cars and sentient robots and body armor that makes you as strong as a tank. Uh, and the the two main... Uh, players on this world stage of this alternate history is the ultra-capitalist America and uh, communist China. And they start what is referred to as the resource wars, where these two great nations and their satellite nations fight over the dwindling resources of Earth. And the whole conflict ends in nuclear hellfire that wipes out most of society, um, what few pockets of humanity that does su survive, comes from isolated communities far away from the fallout of nuclear war. They become these nuclear lithic tribes, um, some cities or towns that manage to shake off the brunt of the damage and rebuild what's left regardless of what weird mutations they may have acquired. Um, some military enclaves that e evolve into fascist paramilitary cults um, or the few people who live in vault vaults these great underground bunkers that were made before the war by the vault tech company in the guise of protecting the American population and way of life in the eventual nuclear war. Um, but were actually instead used to run these weird sadistic and often nonsensical science experiments on people uh, once the vaults were sealed shut. Uh, hundreds of years after the bombs fall, the nuclear fallout begins to settle and new civilizations start to rise and build on the ruins of the old world. Uh, which brings us to the player character, a courier working for the Mojave Express in what was once Nevada, uh, tasked with delivering a mysterious platinum-plated poker chip across the Mojave Desert to the titular city of New Vegas. Uh, just outside the nearby village of Good Springs, the courier is jumped by a group of raiders called the Great Cons, led by a sharply dressed man named Benny. They tie you up, steal your package, and Benny shoots you in the brain pan, leaving you in a shallow grave outside the village of Good Springs. But you're not dead. Your body is dug up by a robot cowboy named Victor, and you are patched up by the town doctor, Doc Mitchell, who sends you on your way with a few supplies, uh, and thus starts the game of Fallout New Vegas. From there, the courier is given the quest to scour the Mojave Wasteland to settle their score with Benny, in which the player discovers the Platinum Chip is actually a data storage device and is central to an even greater conflict between the rising nations. Uh, this courier is thrown in the middle of conflict between three major factions who seek to rule the Mojave and secure New Vegas. Um, Mr. House, the reclusive technocrat who controls New Vegas from a small army of robots. The New California Republic, a uh, democratic successor to the uh, United States of America. And the Caesar's Legion, a group of brutal slavers styled after the Roman Empire of the ancient world. The latter of two in direct war with one another over control of the Hoover Dam, which would give them direct control over New Vegas and the Mojave at large. The Courier can decide to side with any of these factions in the struggle to take over New, Ve uh, New Vegas and the Mojave, or, through the help of a psychophantic robot named Yes Man, take control of New Vegas for yourself. Damn. You fucking... Damn.
<laughs> yeah, I, 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 but before the podcast started, you wrote I, I wanted to, I wanted to make sure I had just like the, the perfect synopsis. You wrote, you, you were, this is easily so far the longest and most in-depth uh, description <laughs> of the game that you've ever done. But you know, if you listen to the Spidey Signals episode where B rewrote the entirety of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, you should know this is pretty common for him. Uh, uh, before uh, before this uh, episode started, I did also rewatch the entirety of Spidey uh, uh, of Spider Man Turn Off the Dark as well. Just why would case. you do? Why would you do that? <laughs> just in case. I I didn't know if you needed me to to. I I, I just it, just in case. What's wrong with you? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a pretty solid description of what the game is. Uh, it's it's an FPS RPG. It's an RPG with with first person shooting mechanics. You can play it in third person, but who the fuck does that? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah it, it's a it's a lot it's a big rpg with a lot of shit going on and we'll we'll have more questions about that but mm-hmm. let's start with uh what what was your first experience with this game where were you sort of in your life at that time so i would have bought followed new vegas the year it came out which would have been 2010 yes uh, just over a decade ago um and i had just started my second year of college uh, I bought it from, oh God, this is going to be a painful story. I bought it from the blockbuster I worked at in my hometown, uh, just after my last summer of working there, because, uh, a year later, blockbuster Canada would shut down, uh, which was just heartbreaking for me because I <laughs> loved working. I loved working at blockbuster. We lost, <laughs> we lost blockbuster and lost. I, God, what a hell world we fucking live in. Um, so yeah, I, I would have bought it from the blockbuster I worked at in my hometown, uh, the, the year before all blockbusters in Canada shut down. Um, and the, the manager I, I knew working there, um, gave me the employee discount as sort of a, a, a last hurrah for my last year working there. Uh, so shout out Lynn, Lynn, I know you're probably not listening to this podcast, but I miss you with all my heart. And I, I hope things are going well for you. Um, and funny enough, it was actually the same year where I won a PS3 from Best Buy. Uh, awesome. There was a grand opening uh, in my hometown where me and my friend Matt lined up for um, lined up for the, the sort of grand opening because they were doing a raffle uh, where you could win big, big prizes. Uh, and I won 500 bucks, which I used to buy a PS3, I think Red Dead Redemption, uh, one game. of the Uncharted games, and I think Little Big Planet as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I sort of uh, filled my PS3 library. Um, and <laughs> when I bought Not- Fallout New Vegas, I thought to myself, you know, I've got this new console. I should probably fill up my 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 PlayStation Three library by buying Fallout New Vegas for the PlayStation Three. Um, which was a huge mistake because boy, howdy, uh, does that game run like fucking ass on a, on a fucking PS3? <laughs> yeah, the PS3, the, notoriously, the PS3 ports of Bethesda games are terrible. Not great. Uh, Not great. It, most notably on uh, on the PS3 version of Oblivion, uh, if you contract vampirism, uh, there's a bug where you can't cure it. So you're just stuck as a vampire for the rest of the game. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I had a pretty 
I had a pretty similar experience. I got it around, well, my dad got it around the same time that it came out. I think maybe 2011, so maybe a year, about around the a Christmas the year after. So I always associate this game with winter time, mm. uh, even though it's, it takes place in the desert. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I, I think it might have been the first Fallout game I played. It was either that or three, because he had both of them on his computer. Uh, but just, it, it's one of those games where you play it and it's very much, you sort of immediately fall in love with it because uh, it, it makes a lot of decisions that uh, push for player agency and it mm. doesn't fuck around where it's like, all right, go. It's not what, like one of the, one of the best kickoffs for a game. Oh yeah. I, just, just like, okay, you've got your character built. We're going to give you a bunch of shit uh, out the door. Oh. Go, go. You're playing the game now. Yeah, it doesn't. It's the obviously the other the best example is Fallout Three, where there's like a fucking twenty minute opening sequence where you got to go through oh. all this shit, and Christ. it's uh, and, and there's oh my god, it's so annoying. I I, like, I I genuinely straight up I can't go back to Fallout Three. I've tried to play it again multiple times, but I just can't do it. That game c- kind of fucking sucks. <laughs> and I I think the only the only times I ever revisited Fallout 3 was using the the Tale of Two Wastelands mod where uh if you have both games uh you can play Fallout New Vegas with all of the Fallout 3 content and it's sort of like linked between this train that will take you to the Fallout 3 world uh in, yeah. on the uh, the east coast even even though if you if you do that the timeline for it makes zero sense yeah, I mean, uh, it's the timeline for Fallout already doesn't make sense. So, like, whatever. Like the, the the courier was out doing shit for like five years beforehand. Well, and it, it, it the the it, it's such a weird their decision to to start off Fallout Three the way they did, where it's sort of this this on rails Disneyland ride where you go through the the sort of starting years for your character was such a weird decision considering this is from the company that made uh, Oblivion, uh, where, sure, the start of the game is sort of this on-rail section, but you're, you're doing things. You're going through this dungeon. You're sort of figuring out, like, how you want to play your character before you decide how you want to play your character. Yeah, and even in something like Skyrim, that has kind of a long opening sequence when you're in Helgen and the, and the I think I think it might actually be uh, Alduin comes shows up and burns the whole town down. Uh, but you know you're you're still running around. You've still you're still making decisions that will influence uh, the later story. Like you pick mm-hmm. who you want to go with, and that's gonna subtly influence uh, the path that you're sort of set on. You can choose the other one uh, for the main quest. Uh, but you know, New Vegas it doesn't fuck around. Where it's like opening cutscene, build your character, answer some questions, leave. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's very very refreshing in that way, and it's a lot easier to pick up this game and start playing it immediately than than something like Fallout Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, let so this game uh is different from the first two Fallout games in that it's a like we said it's a first person game. There's like gunplay and stuff. How, how do you how do you feel about that first person gunplay? Uh, do you think that that or the more isometric style fits Fallout more? Oh, this is a tough question to ask because like I didn't I didn't start off with the first two Fallout games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I am a a, a cum brained oaf who uh, much rather prefers the sort of dynamic 
first person uh rpg gameplay of fallout new vegas uh compared to the first two games compared to fallout tactics uh it, it sort of made jumping into fallout one and fallout two really difficult for me in a lot of ways yeah um, I, I, I still haven't jumped into the first two i've tried on multiple occasions but uh old the thing the thing is i like to pretend that i like to play a lot of rpg games but the problem is that i i, I don't really play rpgs all that often hmm. uh, well, he, here's the thing i i do play a lot of rpgs uh i love you pathfinder kingmaker uh and wrath of the righteous uh and pillars of eternity uh and one and two both really excellent games from the same studio that made fallout new vegas but you know something about that that isometric style i just could never i could never get into because it feels like for for me a lot of the time with those sort of isometric rpgs it feels almost like you're not really playing your character you're just sort of like telling them what to do yeah, uh, yeah. you don't really feel like you're inhabiting a character uh I, that, that i feel like that first person i am one of those freaks and weirdos that likes the gunplay in in new vegas and others like people mm. who are like you gotta change all these mods dude to make it feel better and it's like i like the gunplay in fallout 4 but at the same time you know i had to play fallout 4 to play that yeah. uh fallout 4 another game i've tried i tried to replay recently and just could not do it because that game kind of sucks uh but yeah, I, I I like the the almost sort of weird, uh, janky. Reminds me the most of Stalker uh, type combat. Obviously, it's not as hard as Stalker, mm. uh, but it's it's got a, it's got its own unique charm to it. Even though I don't really use Vats all that often, and have a mod installed where you just have bullet time that uses AP. I think uh, uh, Obsidian even made a lot of uh, great improvements over Fallout 3, where, first of all, you could look down the iron sights of your oh, gun, yeah. uh, which uh, didn't exist in Fallout 3. You you had to sort of shoot from the hip for every weapon. Who's, whose fucking idea was that? Who, who thought that <laughs> Todd? would be... Todd? Who thought that was a good idea? Uh, and then uh, with, with, with Fallout New Vegas... Uh, they also added the 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 uh, ability to, to mod a lot of your weapons. Um, yeah. uh, although I, a lot of that stuff comes from the Gunrunner Arsenal DLC, but I think at this point, if you're going to be playing or buying Fallout New Vegas, you're, you're getting the, the ultimate edition, which is just going to have everything. So it's 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 like a lot of the the gunplay is really good. The gun customizability is really good. You can get oh, yeah. different types of bullets for your weapons as well, um, and uh, you can even customize some of your melee weapons as well. Like the the fucking katana, mm -hmm. you can get you can you can modify uh, your melee weapons. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk a lot about the mods in this game because I I never play this game vanilla. Uh, mm. the, this game is always way better if you mod the shit out of it, which normally, which seems on the surface like, uh, oh, the regular game isn't good enough for you. And it's like, no, I love this game so much that I want to make it even better. Uh, mm. So, mm. like, I have I have mods that allow me to. Uh, I get kind of overpowered if I do this, but mods that let me uh, customize uh, unique weapons because you normally can't modify unique weapons. So, like, I just yep. have a pimp, I have a pimped out Ranger Sequoia that blows people away. It's awesome. I mean, uh, even Josh Sawyer, who who was like the 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 lead head for was he the lead designer? Uh, Josh Sawyer was the director and the lead designer for their game. Okay, he was uh, both. Yeah, 
Uh, you know, like even he sat down after Fall of New Vegas was released and made a mod for this game. He sort of tweaked it for. Uh, it, it, he he says it's not like this is the definitive way for how you should play Fall of New Vegas, but like he he made a mod that made the experience, in his opinion, a little bit better. Um, and like uh, I I feel like the modding community for Fall of New Vegas is in a lot of ways, very respectful in that mm -hmm. they, they don't try to create mods that fix the game and will remove the intro that takes 20 minutes to get through, but are just like, okay, here's a, here's a few new feats. Here's a few new traits. Um, we sort of change how you're able to mod your weapon. Uh, and then every so often you'll, you'll find a really great joke mod like, um, uh, here's a big neon sign that tells you where the hidden bunker for the Brotherhood of Steel is, I which I, <laughs> I normally don't. I normally don't mod Fallout New Vegas. I will usually play vanilla, but that's the one mod I always get because it's just I, such a mm, chef kiss mod. It's, it's it's funny, but it also is useful because it's kind of when you fast travel there, it's kind of hard to remember where the bunker is because there's like eight different identical bunkers. Yeah, uh, yeah, and you know sometimes you gotta gotta chalk it up to uh, delusion because you know you got shot in the face. Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, th this game has a bunch of really great mods, and I think that I I'm one of those freaks that likes the first person combat, and I think it works really well for what yeah. it is. Uh, and I I think it's also kind of telling that the more they leaned into that with Fallout Four, the worse those games got. Even though I know you're uh, you're uh, a Fallout seventy six head, well, okay. Here's the thing. I have three hundred hours in Fallout seventy six. I have eight hundred and fifty hours in Fallout four. I love those games. Those games suck. They are bad games that I love playing. There's a lot of really good things uh, that are, are peppered throughout Fallout 4 and to a lesser extent 76. Like I like playing 76 with like you and Jordan uh, yes. and, and, uh, and my, on our other friends. But, you know, just if I if I was going to play that game by myself, I just wouldn't. There's a reason I haven't picked it up in so long. Uh, I feel and, like Fallout New Vegas is the only modern Fallout game that is good in spite of its issues. Yes. Uh, rather than uh, bad because of them, and 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 like there's a lot of uh, a lot of really good character moments, and the gunplay is fun in Fallout Four, and I'm a big fan mm -hmm. of weapon customization systems, and they have a really great one in Fallout Four. Uh, but also at the same time, it feels the most like like four and seventy six also feel like the most craven uh, gutting of the franchise, just mm -hmm. for like cool visuals and stuff. And it's like, ah, oh, let's do this and ignore all of the interesting parts of Fallout, like all the uh, political stuff and interesting world building. Which uh, is a shame because with, with Fallout 4, with one of the DLCs, Far Harbor, there's some really great shit in that expansion. Yeah, Far, Far like, Harbor is good. I just don't want to have to play through Fallout 4 to get to it. Bethesda has the capacity to make a, a game like Fallout New Vegas. They just they they for whatever reason they just haven't they've just chosen not to um and even fallout 76 there's some really really great writing in fallout 76 some of the 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 story points some of the the writing that was like peppered through the 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 corpses and the ruins of fallout 76 was really good the overall theme of like 
automation taking over the world and, and taking over aspects of your life, I thought was a really great theme, but they, they really, I wish they explored a bit further. Um, there was something there, a, a, a real good golden nugget that they could have gone a bit further with. Um, but yeah, they just, they just haven't, I guess. You're ready for Starfield, everybody. Woo! Get, oh boy. Get ready for Starfield. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we're, we're we're getting off track. Let's get back on yeah. onto New Vegas here. Hmm. Uh, this is a game is a first person shooter, but it's also an RPG. There's RPG mechanics. There's leveling. There's skills. Uh, there's traits and stuff. How how do you feel like this game? You're more like I said. You're more of the RPG guy than I am. Hmm. Uh, the only RPGs that I've really really loved are this game and like Earthbound. Uh, but well, how how do you think that this game stacks up as an RPG? Um, as an action RPG, I think it stacks up pretty well when you compare uh, this game to other action RPGs of the time, like Mass Effect, uh, like the previous Fallout game. Um, uh, there's there's a lot of customizability, uh, a lot of really, 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 really deep customizability for for your character for the career. Yeah. Um, and you don't you I I've never really felt stuck as a player where no. I was unable to sort of move forward through the game world because of my build uh, or because of the choices I had made as a character. Um, because uh, just like starting area alone, the first quest uh, where you're in good Springs uh, and you have to help this, this, this uh, caravaneer uh, named Ringo uh, against these these bandits called the Powder Gangers, um, there are different skill checks you can make when talking to characters that that aren't just like I'm good at speech, so I can convince you to do this. Um, you can convince a guy to give you sticks of dynamite to help you fight against the powder gangers if you have a high enough explosion skill. And only um, if you have a high enough explosive skill. And only if you have a, a high enough explosion skill. Uh, or you can use barter to convince the town's um, uh, uh, shopkeep to, to give you extra supplies. Or you can convince Doc Mitchell with a medicine check to give you extra stim packs, the healing item of the game. But yeah. if you can't do any of that, you're not blocked out of the quest. You can still continue. You can still say, okay, it's high noon. We need to take care of these powder gangers now. Um, and, uh, th like there are a few points in the game where like you, uh, there are specific skill checks you need for like the most favorable outcome of of quests, but you're never you're never I I don't think you're ever like stopped dead in your tracks. Um, and then for the combat aspect of the character, uh, yeah, there are skills like like guns, like um, uh, oh god, I'm trying to think, uh, not electronic guns, fuck. Late Energy weapons? Energy weapons. That's it. I couldn't think of the word energy. Electronic uh, or, gronk here. E elect e electronic fun here. Um uh or or explosives. Uh and you're 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 never you never feel like you're stuck with any one particular weapon type. Because even if you have a low energy weapon skill, uh, or even if you have a low gun skill, you can still mod the shit out of your weapons, a lot of them. Uh, and you can use specific bullets that could can cut through people's armor. Uh, yeah. So if, if you're low on like um, ener energy weapon ammo or explosives uh, or bullets, 
uh, you can still sort of like jump between weapons that would use those certain skills um, or, or melee weapons, which don't take any ammo. If you've got the best weapon in the game, the Nuka Breaker, which is this big fucking neon sign you can use as a, as a two-handed club. Um, so I, I feel like... Hey, 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 hey. You're, uh, you're well, like way robot mode. What's going on with you? Oh, sorry. Can, can you hear me now? Yeah, just just re- repeat your sentence. Um, uh, or you can use melee weapons, which don't take ammo uh, at all, and uh, you can get the the best, in my opinion, the best weapon in the game, uh, the Nuka Breaker sign, which is this big neon sign you can use as a two-handed weapon. Um, uh, and, and then there's also the traits and feats, traits being uh, uh, traits you pick at the, the very beginning of the game, which sort of impact your, your gameplay. Uh, some of them are sort of detractions, but you get nice bonuses for them. Um, like, uh, taking the four eyes trait where your perception, uh, uh, ability is shit. I think you'd lose like two points in perception. Uh, but if you wear glasses, you get bonus points, uh, or, um, your, uh, uh, y- you can shoot faster, but your your weapons degrade faster, uh, or the the, uh, the best trait in the game, Wild Wasteland, where your gameplay that's, experience. <laughs> that's one of my questions: Is uh, are you are you a pro or anti Wild Wasteland guy? I I I feel like I I'm pro Wild Wasteland, um, but it's it's weird because I I don't think it should be a trait. I think it should just be like the standard uh, gameplay because there's there's. I feel like it doesn't detract from the game at all in, in, in any capacity. It just makes the game just slightly weird in some ways. If you really like really look for them, uh, like uh, a UFO crashes. Yeah. I think, uh, I think they made it a trait so that if you, to, to have the game be tailor made to whoever's playing it in Mm -hmm. in a lot more of a, uh, especially in tone wise, which I think, I think is a really good decision. Uh, there's a really great video about this. The second time we're mentioning uh, uh, H-Bomber guy on this program. We l- mentioned him last in the Bloodborne episode. Uh, I want to put a link in the description for his video because his video is really great on it. talks about a lot of the same things we're going to be talking about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I-, I feel like one of the best parts about this game is how in how, how much your character's build affects the world because, uh, again, comparing it to Fallout 3, it's the easiest game to compare it to. Uh, all of your skills that weren't speech basically had no bearing on your dialogue choices. All of them were based on speech. Uh, and you know, even then they were like percentages. So if you had a high speech, you could still lose things or if you had a low speech, you could still get them right. Uh, it was very strange. It didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but you know, you can have conversations and, you know, if it if it relates to medicine, if you have a high medicine skill, you can use that thing. It allows you to feel a lot more invested in the choices that you make, and it doesn't feel like you're just filling out points on a line to make your gun go uh, faster or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, you don't feel you never feel trapped in your in your build. There's not. Uh, I I don't think there's a way for you to like respec everything, or maybe there is. I don't remember. Uh. I feel I feel like there's a perk you can take later on, but I could be wrong. Where you can oh, start yeah, your character I, yeah, from scratch, I, th- I think there might be, but it's not like uh, it's not like a FromSoft game where there's like options where you can just respec whenever you want. Yeah, uh, the, 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 the your choices are permanent, but you never feel like you're locked into them. You always feel like uh, you have a little wiggle room, which I think 
is very useful in a game like this mm-hmm. uh, where, where you can have uh, your super decked out build, uh, but also at the same time you have options and, and you know, it's never, it never, the game never puts you in a situation where whatever build you're using is going to be like super ineffective. Uh, there's always multiple uh, avenues of, of, uh, solutions to problems like even with the final boss where you know in like uh fallout 3 you just have to shoot them with your gun until they die uh but in this game you know the final boss you can just talk to him and be like hey you know the your trade routes they're gonna fuck you over yeah i'm just a little guy your trade routes they're gonna fall over i'm just a little guy don't hit me and then he's like okay sure uh, so, so you have options, and I think that's the the, the core tenet for really any RPG is called, they're called role playing games. Uh, well, I mean, you... this was th- this was even a problem with like the first two Fallout games, where like if 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 your character wasn't built a specific way, you were definitely going to have uh, a lot more uh, difficulty getting through uh, the game um, uh, it c- compared to Fallout New Vegas. It it allows everyone to get through the game, but also, um, you know, it it allows for player expression and yeah. have allows you to have your own sort of way through the game instead of being railroaded onto one specific track. Mm-hmm. Uh, l- let's talk about the wider. Let's talk about the wider world here that I have. Uh, that's another question that I have. Uh, how do you think the, do you think the world design and aesthetic is uniquely tailored to settings in the American West because one, two and th- and uh, New Vegas all take place in California, Nevada, that sort of general zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other games, uh, the Bethesda games take place on the East Coast, you know, Boston and, and Washington, DC. And there have been other attempts to make sort of like fan mods where it's like, oh, it's in Florida or whatever. But is there a part of you that thinks that that aesthetic is uniquely tailored to the American West? <sighs> it's. Sorry, I'm thinking with my mind brain for a second. I, sorry, you might have to cut this out of the podcast. Could you ask that question again? Uh, the question is, do you think the world design and aesthetic of Fallout is uniquely tailored to settings in the American West? It's uniquely tailored. No, do, do, because do, do I think that. Yeah, OK, good. Uh, no, because I feel like you could have a Fallout game anywhere. Um, uh, like uh, there, there are Fallout games in uh, that take place uh, in 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 Eastern America and uh, quality of gameplay aside, like the the I feel like the aesthetic does work. Uh, there are games like the Metro series or like Stalker that have the post-apocalyptic theme, and they work really well. They they I I I would even directly compare them to Fallout. Uh, where uh, uh, the Metro series specifically takes place in the 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 Moscow Metro after the after this nuclear apocalypse, and there it's a it's a first person shooter uh, that's uh, sort of stylized uh, with survivability in mind, with uh, an aesthetic of how does life continue in this Soviet. Uh, a style world after the bombs fall. So I feel like you could take the the fallout idea 
and drop it anywhere. I personally have my own ideas for like what would be a really good Fallout game, but that's that's its own rant that I'm not going to get into. Um, but I, I feel like, don't get me wrong, Fallout works really fucking well with with this post-apocalyptic uh, yeehaw cowboy western setting. Um, but I, I I don't think that if you were to put a Fallout game anywhere else, uh, that the writing uh, uh, would uh, would be poorer, even with the effort uh, put into it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not specifically talking about the writing. Uh, it, it's the, the 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 thing I, I guess I'm trying to say with this question is uh, there, there's something about Fallout, you know, like. Uh, these games seem particularly adept at having, they seem almost naturally like Westerns. Mm. Uh, and you know, that, that makes sense because the first two games in new Vegas all take place, uh, in that California, Arizona area. And I feel like th- there's deep down, there's something sort of lost about that with, if, if you go to like the, if you go to like the East coast or something like that, it feels like there's a little bit of something that's lost there. Uh, but that's just me. Well, I, it's, 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 I think it's because the, the Western and post-apocalyptic, um, uh, worlds fit really well because they're, they're almost directly comparable to one another. Yeah. You they're all very isolated. They're, yeah. They're sandblasted, uh, wastelands, uh, isolated elements, uh, yeah. people just trying to survive. Um, everybody's got their fucking peace on them. Uh, the law is very fast and loose. Uh, it's, 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 I mean, would you say that Mad Max is almost like a wild west kind of, I would kind say, of series? yeah. I, I would definitely say that, yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's 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 not necessary. I, I think it's just because like the Wild West and the post-apocalyptic uh, settings are are more or less one to one with one another. They're 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 very similar in a lot of ways. Yes. Uh, this is a question I meant to ask earlier. Uh, do you feel that the open-ended quest design sort of stands out among other RPGs? Uh, yes and no. I mean, it, it, it really depends on which RPGs you're comparing this to, mm-hmm. uh, because if you're comparing this to the, the first Fallout game, uh, the first Fallout game doesn't ha- really have a lot of quests. A lot of the quests aren't very open-ended. Um, but if you were to compare this game to uh, other uh, Obsidian RPGs like Tyranny, or Pillars of Eternity, uh, or other uh, uh, um, video game RPGs like Pathfinder Kingmaker. Uh, A lot of them do follow the sort of open-ended quest design and even world design that... uh, uh, Because because Fallout, um, New Vegas, and those games... Are are more in line with pen and paper RPGs with their quest design, where you, there isn't a, a usually if you have a good DM, there isn't a singular answer to a to a a, a, a to a quest. There isn't a a single 
way to conclude a quest. There are multiple different ways. Like, how do we take care of these bandits that have broken into this warehouse? Well, we could light the warehouse on fire, or we could sneak in and slit their throats, or we could see if we can't bribe the town guards to the corrupt town guards to maybe help out. Uh, so I think I think that the open-ended quest design is definitely a breath of fresh air uh, compared to uh, some of the games at the time. Um, but there was that sort of era, uh, era beforehand where a lot of, of the RPG games were uh, sort of getting into that more open-ended quest design, like Fallout 2, like Icewind Dale. Uh, and then uh, after Fallout New Vegas, a lot of the Obsidian RPGs, a lot of the uh, the newer RPGs at the time, like Wasteland, uh, like uh, like um, Pillars of Eternity, they started to do more open ended quests. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I I hate having to keep doing modern examples, but I think the best modern example I can have of something that's not that feels open ended but really isn't is something like uh, the Outer Worlds, which is another Obsidian RPG game. Mm. Uh, it's with with Fallout, there's a lot of interesting uh, options you can choose between. Like, I think, for example, one of the the best ones is there's two quests I want to talk about. Uh, one is Beyond the Beef, which is uh, the quest that's in uh, the Ultralux Casino, where mm-hmm. you eventually find out that the people running it are all cannibals, and or they used to be cannibals, but one of the, that Mortimer, their head, wants to sort of bring cannibalism back into vogue. Uh, so they've kidnapped this Brahmin Baron's son that they're going to eat him. Uh, so you have a bunch of different options. You can side with them. Uh, you can uh, just tell the uh, Brahmin. What you find out, you can tell the Brahmin Baron himself and be like, hey, uh, your son's in there. And he'd be like, okay. And he just fucking pulls out a gun and kills everybody. Uh, you could try to do a peaceful option where you save everybody and try to make sure that uh, sort of keep Mortimer's antics uh, under the rug so that the Ultralux can continue to operate and be on your side. Or you can just go in yourself and with a gun and just kill everybody. There's a, you a can million... psychoanalyze a chef and help him work it's... through his problems. <laughs> yeah, you could, it, and even smaller sections within that, uh, with it, smaller problems within that quest, not just the final solution, but the smaller problems of how are we going to, uh, you know, uh, change this food and make sure that it's not, uh, how can we create sort of a human meat substitute? Uh, well, you can work with the chef. Uh, you can drug all the wine. You can, uh, like you said, psychoanalyze the chef. There's a million different options that you can have depending on what your skills are uh, and and how you want to play the game. Uh, and you compare it to something like The Outer Worlds where there are like, in every quest, there are basically like three options where it's like side one, side two, compromise. Uh, and, and that was one of the many parts of that game that sort of disappointed me. I think I think Outer Worlds is a fine game, but it's nowhere near as good as New Vegas because... It, it, it's such a weird game to, to sort of follow because like that game was... Uh, pretty, oh, they, they, pretty... they, they certainly they certainly pitched it on being like hey it's us the new vegas guys yeah hey. and, and, and here's this game where it's like okay th- uh rather than it being open world uh there are these closed off like fairly large areas but all the quests are just in like the town you can't go into the wild and and find quests somewhere it, it's such it's such a such a a disappointing it's it's a very disappointing game it's yeah, fine yeah. but it's it's yeah there, there's a there's a i don't remember where i think i might have been a super bunny hop video 
where he talked about the 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 quest design of this game being almost like uh the twilight zone where you have uh little towns but they all have their own sort of self-contained stories the side quests that usually aren't connected to the main game and that really helps fill out the world i think in a really uh, palpable way and i think it, it works really really effectively um and even yeah like even some of the the smaller quests like uh there's at one point uh in the quest uh they went that away where you're trying to follow uh, uh, where Benny went. You're trying to track down this stranger, Benny, who, who shot you in the brain and left you for dead. Um, and as you're sort of trekking across the waste, you, you come across, uh, if you do a little bit of exploring, uh, Boulder City, where some of the great cons who were working with uh, Benny at the time where you got shot um, are sort of in this, in this uh, standoff. Uh, with uh, uh, these these army personnel of the New California Republic. And you can go into Boulder City uh, and you can talk to the NCR and they can tell you, yeah, there's a couple of uh, great con people um, hold up in their, this building. They've got hostages. Um, do you think you could help get them out? Uh, and you can talk to the great cons. You can convince them to stand down. You can talk to the NCR. You can try to bribe um, the, the captain of that troop. Um, and, uh, he's, he's willing to take a bribe, not because he's like malicious or corrupt or anything like that. It's just like, okay, I don't get paid well. Uh, and a lot of the money you could give us could go towards the families of fallen soldiers. So sure. I can take a bribe to, to let these great cons go and I'll look the other way. Uh, or you can go in fucking guns akimbo and take them all out. Um, or you can take out the NCR and let the great cons go. Uh, and it's, it's just, it's just a, it's, it's a, it's a more or less inconsequential quest because you don't need to do this quest to find Benny. You can keep going for, for gunning for new Vegas and find him there. Um, but if you do do this quest, uh, you get, uh, some rep points with either the NCR or with the great cons, uh, or both. Uh, if you, uh, if you do the most peaceful way of completing that quest, uh, and uh, Jessup of the Great Cons gives you Benny's lighter and tells you, "Yeah, Benny betrayed us. Uh, he he's a he's a rat fink. He's in New Vegas. Go 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 in there and rough him up for us." Um, and it, yeah. it's it's good quest design. It's good yes. quest design. And the other quest that I forgot, the, 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 I know this episode is going to be kind of long, but there's one other quest I wanted to talk about, which is I think it's like unmarked. Uh, I don't remember what it's called. Uh, but it's the one, I think, I don't remember which vault it is, but the, basically the idea of the quest is that they also talk about this in the H-Bomber Guy video. Uh, you find out that there's radiation leaking into uh, the NCR water supply in New Vegas. Uh, and, and that is, that's connected to a vault that has, I think, five people trapped in their reactor. Uh, and you basically have the option of either you open the reactor I, I, I'm not 100% certain this is the actual thing, but I, I think it is. So forgive me if I'm wrong in certain details. Uh, you either open the reactor and let them out, uh, and the radiation will just continue to leak. Uh, or you can seal up the reactor, stop the radiation from leaking into the NCR, but those people will die in the reactor. <laughs> and it's... It's really unique, and again, comparing it to the Outer Worlds, where there's always one side, other side, perfect, happy, golden middle. Yeah. Uh, 
there's no real good ending to this quest. Uh, either you let those people die and the water will continue to be irradiated in the NCR and tons of people will probably get sick. Or, you know, you seal up the reactor and stop the radiation leaking and people will stop being sick. Or, and, you know, five people, innocent people's blood will be directly on your hands. It's a very trolley problem-esque uh, quest. I mean, not like a third option where it's like, oh, we can tunnel out and do all this other stuff. I think it's really interesting that they, you know, we just talked about how there's open-ended quests. You can have things in a million different ways, but I think it's also very effective that they have quests where there's no real good ending. Mm. Um, and and sometimes that's fine for a quest. Sometimes yeah. uh, quests should be designed in mind with uh, challenging your moral compass as a player and as a character. Um, where that's where that's bad quest design is where there's usually only a good or purely bad ending to a quest where you can choose to uh, do the the good guy super you're you're my number one pal quest ending uh, or you can uh, choose to be a lol evil person uh yeah like like we said a, a million times uh I, I think there's a lot of really great freedom in this game and it works really really well what would you say is your favorite faction uh or, or the faction that appeals to you the most it can be either the the major factions or, or sort of the smaller ones for uh for for the main factions uh, I suppose my favorite uh, is is the the sort of independent faction, oh, yeah. where you side with uh, the 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 sycophantic robot yes man, who was built, uh, who was and, built by Benny in an attempt to sort of take over New Vegas. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after you uh, fucking blow Benny's face right off with your gun, uh, or give him a foot job, it really depends on how you want to play this game. Well, Can well, I? Well, I want to. Well, Sorry, go on. Multiple times I have, uh, like, not had the skill to, like, sneak in a weapon. So what I would do is I would uh, let him in, uh, take him up to that uh, that penthouse, and I would just turn around and grab the pool cue and just beat him to death with it. Because <laughs> I didn't have I, a gun, and my fists I, were really terrible, so it's like, hey, better than nothing. I want to take the time to talk about how... Uh, great the 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 sort of resolution uh, with with Benny is because you have the option as a female character to give the guy who shot you in the fucking head a foot job. You can give him a foot and job. You can let him go. You can have him uh, if you if he if he gets away, uh, you'll get captured by the Legion, and you have to go to the Legion and get the platinum chip from them, and then you'll sort of be in their debt. Essentially, you have to do a couple quests for them. Oh, uh, and then you can decide, uh, and then Caesar, the head of Caesar's Legion, can tell you, like, okay, uh, here's the platinum chip. Uh, what do you want to do with Benny? And you can choose to either have him crucified or get in a knife fight with him in an arena, yeah. or you can say, hey, Benny, fuck all of this. Let's bust out of here and shoot your way out of the Caesar's Legion camp. There's so, so many, again, we keep going back to the thing of there's a million different options to do in this game. Uh, but they're, they're like, yeah, there's a lot of really, really great factions. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a independent guy. Uh, yeah. It's the, 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 there's lots of different political. Uh, that's the next question I have is about the politics of the game. There's lots of different political arguments you can get into about which is the, the what what's the most effective rule for the Mojave. Uh, 
but I think my other favorite faction, other than Yes Man, because you can just do whatever you want, uh, is probably the Followers of the Apocalypse, because mm, they yeah. have probably the closest to what I would... They're, they're probably the closest to what I would call a genuinely good faction. In yeah, the they're they're the doctors without borders of the post-apocalyptic world. Yes. Uh, and, and, uh, and, they, their leader, they have... and their leader, Julie Farkas, is a sick mohawk. Uh, <laughs> and, and they have one of the best companions in video game history that you can get, Arcade Motherfucking Ganon. That's another question I have for later for the about the companions, but mm. yeah, there's there's lots of really really great factions, and even factions that I wouldn't necessarily like side with in real life, uh, like the Great Cons have really really great stories. Like I love doing the Great Con quest where you mm. have to where, where they want to join up with Caesar's Legion, and you have to sort of if you want to have them sort of be on your side uh, during the final battle over the Independent Run. Uh, you have to sort of convince them, you have to make them realize that Caesar's Legion is going to forcefully absorb them and eliminate all of their tribal traditions to sort of uh, absorb them into the, the collective. Uh, and, you know, they're, uh, sh- uh, there's a, like a female uh, great con who like wants to be a warrior because one of the Caesar's Legion guys told her that she could be, and you have to reveal to her that, no, they're going to basically put her into slavery. It's it's just a really great little quest about this sort of uh, gang that used to be very powerful uh, in the Mojave and and the West in general. Because you you know you fight them in Fallout One, mm-hmm. uh, and then you get to go back and see them as sort of a shadow of their former selves. And then the ending that you get if you end up convincing them to leave is they end up I think moving out up into like Utah, that sort of general zone, and hooking up with the followers of the apocalypse. And mm-hmm. having a really big uh, sort of uh, empire of their own, which I think is just uh, j- just you getting to see that little window of that story. I think is really really interesting. Uh, I think a nice comparison to that is uh, there. There is another faction that is from the previous Fallout games, uh, the Brotherhood of Steel, but they oh, play yeah. a wildly different role in Fallout New Vegas, where rather than being this this military powerhouse like in Fallout Three. Uh, or or this uh, reclusive um, enclave, uh, not not like the faction, the enclave of 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 uh, technomancers uh, that sort of want to uh, steal technology from from the the quote unquote primitives of the wasteland, people who don't deserve uh, to use anything as complicated as a laser rifle. Um, they they are uh, they are a a society that's been beaten back by the NCR. They're sort of old time rivals, uh, and they've been beaten back in such a way that they now have to live secluded uh, in a hidden bunker away from the wrath of the NCR, who would by by all accounts would love to just wipe them out. Um, and you can meet them either by accident. Oh, sorry. You can meet them either by accident and they put a bomb collar on your neck because they want they don't want you like sneaking out into the wasteland and telling the NCR where they are. Uh, so they sort of like keep you in the bunker until they can trust you enough. Um, and uh, or you can uh, find a companion named Veronica who uh, works with a Brotherhood of Steel, but is sort of like traveling the wasteland. Um, who leads you into the the hidden bunker of the Brotherhood of Steel? Uh, and one of their quests is there. Uh, it's just sort of you can choose to upend their chain of command because their way of life uh, isn't isn't working 
they they're they're reclusive um paramilitary lifestyle they're they want to sort of protect the the world from uh the dangers of technology isn't working because uh there are these much larger cultures that have managed to um try to take over the dam and then there's mr house with his uh with his neon fortress of new vegas uh, so the, and the only way to really convince, uh, the Brotherhood of Steel is to, to upend their, their paramilitary chain of command, uh, and then through their, their new leadership, uh, convince them that, Hey, you know, this isn't working. Uh, if you really want to sort of protect the wasteland from the dangers of technology, maybe you should try working alongside these these larger cultures that have taken over the wasteland and one of their endings is is begrudgingly working with the ncr in patrolling the mojave uh and keeping uh keeping uh, uh uh the 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 random raiders from using laser pistols and and plasma grenades and shit like that yeah it's there's there's lots of really really fascinating faction stories and the fact that they have so many endings it always it's always very exciting for me to go through uh every time i play this game because i play it at least once a year uh and and try to sort of f- go through and chemically formulate the greatest ending uh where everyone i i try to make sure everybody gets uh the best ending that they can uh where you know and and that that sort of dovetails into another question that I have about the the companions, which uh, is what what companion story do you think is the most effective? And one of my favorite not my not my favorite companion. I think my favorite companion is probably Eddie. It's kind of cheating because he's just a robot that doesn't really have a quest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that ta- dovetails into Veronica's quest, which I think is really effective because no matter what ending, uh, there, there's all sorts of different options that you have for her. You can either leave with her. Uh, basically you do all this stuff, this stuff for her and she realizes that, uh, depending on what answers you give her, which I think is another great thing of player choice where, uh, sometimes companions will talk to you during their quests and whatever answers you give them that will lead them to make their own decision, which I think is really, really well done. Uh, she can sort of ask you like, should I leave? Uh, and if she does try to leave, no matter what option she goes with, uh, she will basically live the rest of her life as a sort of uh, hermit and uh, wandering around and never really having a home of her own. But at the same time, uh, you know, she'll be out from under the thumb of the very uh, repressive brotherhood. It's again, it's another example of not every ending. There's not a good ending for every quest. I mm-hmm. think it's really interesting. But the, yeah, the question for you is, uh, what companion story do you think is the most effective? Oh, God, it's tough because this game has some of the best fucking companions in oh, yeah. any goddamn motherfucking video game. I love them all. Like, I, I don't think there's a companion I I dislike. Uh, no. Arcade Ganon is a great fucking companion because he's this dorky, nerdy scientist. Um, but he has he has a history that's steeped with the villains of pretty much every previous Fallout game, the Enclave, this 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 ultra militaristic uh sort of American cult uh that uh that that reveres the 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 old American way of life 
uh, and and wants to purge the wasteland of of all these mutants. But Arcade Ganon, this this byproduct of this now uh, uh, defunct uh, uh, fascist military ideology, uh, is is a sweetheart. He's working for the followers of the apocalypse, trying to make make the wasteland a better place. Um, but he's still friends with all of these these remnants. They're literally called the remnants of the enclave. All these old uh, the, people. These 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 fuck this old folks' home, uh, uh, full of of power armor hoorah geezers. Um, but I think I think my favorite companion story, even though I didn't. I I I rarely ever used Raul uh, as a companion. Oh, Raul is great. Um, but Raul has such an interesting backstory. So Raul is is a ghoul, uh, who uh, and ghouls in in the Fallout universe are people who have been irradiated to the point where they become these sort of semi zombies. Um, yeah, these 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 semi immortal zombies that can either turn feral and go crazy and try and uh and just live out the rest of their days in in ruins trying to tear whatever human might come across them apart uh or they they just end up being these gross decrepit zombies uh that are more or less the same as any other human um uh but they're they're relatively immortal some some ghouls are even in the case of raul people who existed before the great war before uh all the bombs fell and destroyed uh the 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 world at large uh so raul is uh this this character from uh mexico uh and he he sort of used to be was was he a gunslinger before the bombs fell? I I he, believe so. He the, the, the Raul's story to to uh, simplify things. Uh, he used to be he was a far he was basically worked on a ranch with his family. Uh, after the bombs dropped, uh, he his his family basically was all murdered except for him and his sister. Uh, yeah. He ended up becoming a sort of gunslinger. Uh, to protect the two of them. She ended up dying. Uh, he ended up traveling a lot of different places. Basically the way that his quest works is you talk to basically it, it's, it's not a quest that you like run into. It, it's a quest that's basically entirely built around dialogue where you'll mm-hmm. talk to other characters who are uh, older uh, and are sort of questioning their value in society. Uh, and, you know, Raul will basically tell you the story piece by piece and that it's all done through dialogue, which I think is really, really great. Uh, it, uh, he basically sort of becomes this sort of, uh, warrior of justice, uh, to avenge his sister. Uh, but eventually he settles down, uh, over in Tucson where he becomes, uh, a mechanic. Uh, he has another, uh, encounter with a girl very similar to his sister, but he's obviously much older. Um, and he tries to uh, get revenge on these guys that were roughing her up, but it, it doesn't end up working out for him. He gets shot to shit. He realizes that he sort of doesn't, he's not up to snuff anymore. He's too old. Uh, but you can end up convincing him through your, your own dialogue choices and the dialogue choices you have with these other characters that uh, he should either take up his guns or he should continue to sort of be on that uh, path of uh just helping people in a, in a more passive way. Mm. Uh, and 
just just having that whole story. It's not like uh, there are other quests where things, you know, you perform actions and do stuff, but having it all come through dialogue, I think, is a really effective way of exploring that. And it, it's another really very interesting way of of doing game storytelling. Hold on, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, because uh, Raul is also voiced by Danny Trejo as well. There's yes. a lot of really great celebrity voice actors in this game as well. Yeah, celebrity um, voice actors that aren't shit, it's insane. But but what I love about Raul and his sort of backstory is, I mean, he's a ghoul. He's lived for hundreds and hundreds of years. It makes sense that a ghoul would not have like a single job or like a a, a a they would do a single thing for hundreds and hundreds of years like he was a ranch hand he was a gunslinger he was he a was mechanic a for a while after just finding a jumpsuit um at a gas station and deciding yeah sure fuck it i'll be a mechanic and there's there's um, another ghoul character like that named calamity uh that you find up in uh jacobstown uh which is a really great area it's like a ski lodge but that's where a bunch of super mutants live uh, and it basically, she talks about how every couple, every like century or so she changes her name and finds a new job just, just for the fun of it. Cause she can, uh, mm. cause she's basically immortal. And I think that's another really, uh, she's a small character. She's not in a whole lot of quests, but, uh, you know, it's, it's another way to add really interesting color to the world. I think that works really well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a que- I have a question about uh we've, we've sort of talked about the the politics of this game. Uh the question I have is do you think that that the game handles the world's internal politics well? Because there's the the three major factions all represent uh well four. I always forget about independent. Mm. But the the four major factions sort of represent different ideologies uh of understanding this post-apocalyptic world. The NCR is is trying to build itself in the model of the Republican U.S. Uh, with, but, you know, it, it's dragged down by a lot of corruption mm-hmm. uh, that, that, and ineptitude and bureaucracy that a lot of the other NCR characters talk about. Uh, there's the Legion, which is obviously this fascist dictatorship, uh, but, you know, it's very good at organizing a society that's competent and runs well. And you that you end up talking to a character at uh, the Legion's Fort who's a traitor who very much vastly prefers trading on uh, Legion trade routes because they're well protected, unlike NCR trade routes where you know bandits will show up all the time because uh, there's not enough people to go around. Uh, it's it's very interesting. And then Mister House, as we talked about, uh, sort of libertarian technocrat who. Uh, wants to create sort of a capitalist utopia in new Vegas, put people on the moon and shit. Uh, yeah. He wants, like, he wants to build the underground tunnels where you can drive your car really fast. Yes. He's basically Howard Hughes, Elon Musk type beat. <laughs> uh, it's very funny. And he, and he, he lives, he's basically sort of lived for hundreds of years. Cause he's got a big complicated life support system underneath the lucky 38, mm-hmm. uh, which is the casino he lives in. And then there's uh, the independent, which is basically sort of uh, a, an almost, uh, anarchist type thing of trying to carve out a, a, a new separate path for Vegas that might be more dangerous, but you know, more free. And I, that, that, that was my question of how do you think that the game handles? Cause a lot of games will have political themes, but they'll be super heavy handed and really like shitty. So how, how do you feel about that? I, I think, 
God, Fall of New Vegas handles the politics very well because a lot of the times it's not something uh, like like you were told about like how these societies differ and how they 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 handle their their citizens and their military uh, and and their goals. But a lot of times you come to understand these nations through visual storytelling as well. Um, because like one of the first landmarks you can see for the NCR uh, is this this towering monument of an NCR soldier shaking hands with an Arizona Ranger um, who were sort of these, these post-apocalyptic preppers uh, that would scour uh, Nevada and Arizona uh, and, and were sort of like these, these sniper vigilantes um, that uh, started to, that teamed up with the NCR once they moved in. So you come to understand just through the statue alone that a lot of uh, the peaceful interactions with the NCR is very cooperative. Um, but then you also see a lot of the inefficiencies with the NCR uh, because you see that one of their, their major prisons, the NCR Correctional Facility, uh, has been taken over by the prisoners. Uh, some of the towns that are supposed to be protected by the NCR, uh, Nipton and um, uh, Prim, uh, have been taken over by bandits or Caesar's Legion, uh, and the NCR because they're 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 so strapped with manpower, trying to uh, keep uh, keep New Vegas and Hoover Dam in line, are unable to spare any 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 uh, soldiers. They they've become inefficient uh, with how uh, stretched thin they've become, uh, and then with be the the quest beyond the beef. Um, the, 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 the rancher, uh, whose son goes missing. If you talk to him, you come to understand that there's a lot of corruption in the NCR, uh, because a lot of these landowners, a lot of these, these ranch, uh, heads, uh, they have a lot of soft power in the R NCR, both in terms of finances, uh, and in terms of, of just, just, uh, land control. Um, so, and, and, and sorry, I'm, I'm absolutely gushing over the, the factions of Fall of New Vegas. Uh, and, and, and then you see, uh, the, the powerhouse that is Caesar's Legion. Uh, you see a lot of these scouts scouring the waste, sort of killing bandits, uh, and NCR, uh, soldiers with with uh, efficiency. Uh, you see their camps and their military might and sort of the the, the slaves that they've taken over, um, and even uh, you, you see how directly opposed uh, in in ideologies these two nations are because you have this supposed democracy, the supposed republic, the NCR, uh, and it's it's. Oftentimes, good-natured people, but inefficient governance, uh, and then you see the the brutal dictatorship of Caesar's Legion, which is so effective at sort of asserting its dominance and control, um, and even its icons, the bear and the bull, um, which are are these icons that are taken from. Uh, stock market concepts, the bear market and the bull market, where a bear market is some is a is a stagnating or declining market. It's it's sort of ineffective in trying to generate capital uh, and support itself. 
uh, and then the bull market, uh, where it is it is a rapidly increasing um, a resource generating market that is able to sort of uh, 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 provide for um, maybe not all of its people because uh, Caesar's Legion is run off of slaves. Um, but is able to provide for its higher classes. It's sort of it's 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 fascist military leaders. Um, yeah, uh, there's <clears throat> one of my favorite parts of the game. Uh, I've uh, the Legion is the, the, probably the I, I would say maybe the weakest part of the game's writing is how almost cartoonishly evil the Legion is mm. in a lot of ways. There's not a whole lot of nuance given to the Legion, but there is one moment that I think works really well. Uh, in giving the Legion nuance. I think they're still a good faction, but they're, they're a little cartoony. Uh, there, there's a moment when you first meet the Legion uh, and you talk to Caesar, because uh, later on, depending on... It doesn't even... Uh, there, there's No matter what interactions you have with the Legion in the past, uh, after you get the Platinum Chip, Caesar will basically pardon you if you did any crimes uh, and invite you to the fort to have a discussion. And basically, he tells you to deal with this bunker full of uh, Mr. House's robots that they have on their, on their fort. But mostly the main centerpiece is this big, long conversation that you have with Caesar. And you basically get to pick his brains about how he started the Legion, uh, why he sort of believes that his society will be the most effective. Uh, you, you fucking talk about Hegelian dialectics and shit. It's, uh, it's probably one of my favorite moments of just people talking in the game. And I think it works really really well in exploring those those political uh things i used imperial rome as the model for my legion precisely because it was so foreign so alien i'd seen what had become of the ncr's attempts to emulate the culture of pre-war america the infighting the corruption rome was a highly militarized autocracy that effectively integrated the foreign cultures it conquered it dedicated its citizens to something higher than themselves, to the idea of Rome itself. In Rome, I found a template for a society equal to the challenges of the post-apocalyptic world, a society that could and would survive, a society that could prevent mankind from fracturing and destroying itself in this new world by establishing a new Pax Romana. It means a nationalist, imperialist, totalitarian, homogenous culture that obliterates the identity of every group it conquers. Long-term stability at all costs. The individual has no value beyond his utility to the state, whether as an instrument of war or production. And I, I never really noticed the, the Baron Bull thing. Uh, I really should have because Ulysses talks about that shit all the goddamn time. Uh, <laughs> the bear, the but... bull, the bear, the bull. I never realized it in sort of stock market terms, but you know, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And speaking of Ulysses, let's let's talk about the DLCs. Uh, let's let not we're not going to get super in depth into them because uh, this episode's gone on quite a long bit. Uh, but how do you feel about the DLCs and that sort of separate overarching story that they tell with Ulysses and the Courier's past, with the exception of Lonesome Road? Uh, I, God, these are some of the fucking best DLCs in gaming history. I'm a Lonesome um, Road defender, number one. I like Lonesome Road. Lonesome Road is okay. I think it's just because it's a long corridor with not a whole lot to do, save for the conflict at the end where you can talk down Ulysses 
the sort of echo shadow of you as a person, as a player. Um, I think some of that stuff is fine, but overall it's... The problem I have with Lonesome Road is we talked about uh, before about how you build your character and how normally you shouldn't, you wouldn't get stuck as a player, depending on what skills you pick. Um, if you go with a sort of <laughs> speech um, melee player, uh, if you, if you, if you don't really invest anything in energy weapons or guns going through lonesome road, it's really fucking tough. Uh, and yeah, that's my I mean, problem with Lonesome Road. I can understand it. I like the more linear uh, layout of Lonesome Road because I feel like uh, after, uh, you know, going through and even, you know, Dead Money to an extent is kind of linear. Mm. Uh, but, you know, after going through these these big open worlds, it's it's kind of refreshing to have something as as linear and more focused on getting the storytelling done as Lonesome Road, because I feel like, you know, people make fun of Ulysses all the time for being super wordy uh, and just talking a lot about philosophical concepts that nobody cares about. Uh, but I feel like there is something really uh, very interesting about uh, the idea of someone who is just like you, but has gotten sort of lost in that sort of thinking about, broad philosophical concepts and he's basically the the fallout version of a guy who's terminally online uh <laughs> that's that's what i would describe ulysses as and i think it's very interesting to have a, a conversation like that with him and yeah I, I just really like the way that game looks anyway back to the, the wider dlcs <laughs> sorry ulysses the human qrt yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, there are, there are four DLCs for, uh, there are four major DLCs, I should say. Four major story DLCs. Yeah, for Fallout New Vegas. Uh, there is Dead Money, which is, uh, sort of this, uh, like, uh, uh, Casino Heist DLC, uh, Honest Hearts, uh, which, uh, wherein you, you explore the, uh, the sort of, uh, post-apocalyptic tribal structure. Uh, Old World Blues, which is sort of like this, this science fiction, uh, horror comedy uh, add on and then uh, 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 Lonesome Road, which we've already talked about. I think, yeah, they're they're all really really great DLCs, and you, know, I I've grown to really love Dead Money. Uh, I, again, you know, just I, I, it always goes back to how good all the character work is. Mm. Uh, you you like you end up running into a bunch of different characters. Uh, there's there's four main characters. Uh, but they, they're all written so well. And like Father Elijah and his sort of obsession, I think works really well. And my, my favorite character is probably Christine, uh, who is, is briefly mentioned uh, in Veronica's story as a girl that uh, Veronica was uh, romantically interested in for a while. Uh, but the, 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 the theme of that is all about sort of, the, all the characters have their own sort of individual obsessions about what they want to do. Uh, and just that all of that sort of wrapped around that sort of heist theme of, of this casino in a, a, a dead zone where it's all this like toxic fog. I think it's a really, really well done DLC. Uh, uh, Christine being a, uh, Christine uh, being a character who's mute, by the way, uh, mm -hmm. you, you like completely no spoken dialogue with her, save for like at the very end, you have to try to find a way to communicate with her as a character. Yeah, if you have a low perception when you talk to Christine, it's kind of a shit show. Uh, you have to like basically begrudgingly work with her because uh, you, uh, if you don't have a high enough perception, it's hard for you to understand what she's really saying. Mm -hmm. 
And you have to really read and pay attention to those uh, text boxes of explaining what she's talking about. And yeah, I've, I think Dead Money is is really... I used to not like it because it was hard. It is kind of hard. Because uh, it's really the survival horror DLC where you have a, a very limited resources but a lot of enemies that will kill you very quickly. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I've grown to really enjoy it. Uh, what do you have to say about Honest Hearts? Uh, Honest Hearts is okay. It's not my favorite DLC just because it's sort of, there's a lot of backtracking. Uh, mm. There's sort of a lot to get through and it's 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 a great character study. Yes. Um, on uh, a, a previous uh, head of Caesar's Legion, uh, Joshua Graham. Joshua uh, Graham is probably my, probably my favorite character in the whole game. I love mm-hmm. Joshua Graham. Probably his, also his voice is really great. I love Joshua. He's so buttery smooth. Oh yeah, it's it's very great. Uh, this this uh, previous head of Caesar's Legion uh, who failed to take Hoover Dam and was burned alive and dropped off the side of it. Uh, 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 dropped, dropped off, yeah, dropped off the side. He was burned alive and thrown into the Grand Canyon. Yeah, uh, and then he became a Mormon, um, or rather, he was a Mormon before, and then yes, he was a Mormon uh, sort of the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was a Mormon the whole time, uh, and then uh, it, it's a great character study. But I feel like, especially when a lot of these DLCs, you have to drop a lot of your equipment before getting into them. There's like a weight limit you have to do before you start any of these DLCs for your character. Um, it's, it can be a bit of a slog to get through. Uh, and then my favorite DLC, Old World Blues. Oh, yeah. Which uh, I mentioned before, it's sort of this uh, science fiction horror comedy DLC where you are uh, abducted by these uh, scientists who live uh, as, as semi, as sort of immortal robots with, um, uh, monitors for eyes. Uh, they they sort of abduct you and take you into this uh, uh, science complex uh, far away from uh, New Vegas, uh, and they sort of um, they they remove your brain and you yeah, you're they, on a quest to get it back. They they want to do a bunch of funny little science experiments, and it's there's a there's a, at the core of that DLC is a very sad story about these people, but it's also a very very funny DLC. Uh, a lot of really, really great moments. And throughout the whole, all, all four of these DLCs, there are references to Ulysses, who was this other character, who was this courier that refused to do the job that you eventually did uh, and has a, a very personal beef with you as it's revealed that unwittingly you basically blew up his hometown. Uh, you didn't really mean to, uh, and you didn't even <laughs> know it happened, but it's... Uh, yeah, it's a really it's a very interesting story between those two characters, and then we already talked about uh, Lonesome Road as as being a terminally online guy. Uh, but yeah, I think all the DLCs are really really well done. I think the weakest gameplay wise is probably Honest Hearts, even though there are a lot of really great moments in there story wise. Like I love the the characters of the Survivalist, which is all in, in dialogue terminals, and also he gives you like the best gun in the game. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's. Um... Yeah, God, what a, and it's, it's, I don't think it's even a marked quest, is it? It's, it's all, it's all completely, uh, stuff that you read in, in term, it's not even a quest, it's stuff you read in terminals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just world building stuff. And usually, and some, and usually a lot of people will find the gun first and then go back and find all of its quest logs. Uh, it's, 
yeah, it's just a, it's a really well, it's a good way of handling sort of uh, world building within just uh, dialogue stuff. This episode is getting really long. We've got a, a, quite a few more questions. Uh, oh God, you you could talk a lot about this game, B. Uh, but let's uh, let's sort of blast through these last couple questions. Uh, what do you think is the weakest aspect of the game? Oh God, the weakest aspect of the game. Um... I, I I I know a lot of the developers. You mentioned it before, sort of like Caesar's Legion wasn't really developed as a faction, uh, mm. and it was because uh, the 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 developers were very strapped for time in yes. trying to get this game out the door. Uh, they made this famously, game, I think, so yeah, I think they made this game in like fifteen, thirteen months, eight uh, eighteen months. I yeah, think. not a very not a very fast turnaround for this game, no. and that was all Bethesda's fault because they're a bunch of pricks. Yeah, uh, um, and so, like, yeah, uh, I think potential-wise, there was a lot more this game could have done. Uh, Not at the fault of the developers, but I think some of the weakest aspects is some of that stuff shines through where uh, there's some obviously missing content, uh, like Veronica's, um, uh, uh, the, the sort of the end of the... Uh, because this was cut content where you can talk to Veronica about Christine, I believe. Um, yeah. But you can add that back in as as like a mod. It's it's stuff like that, little sprinkles of like weird things that you think uh, uh, Obsidian would have some some uh, um, foresight to do, uh, but they were just like strapped for time for some for some re- some, some reasons beyond their control. And and also when the game first came out, it was buggy as shit. Yes. Uh, yeah. It yeah because they didn't have it because uh, Bethesda rushed them through so they didn't have enough QA time uh, and then withheld their bonuses because they didn't get an eighty five percent on Metacritic they only got an eighty four and that nearly uh, sank their company too yeah nearly bankrupted them because uh, Bethesda are a bunch of assholes uh, stop buying their games please uh, yeah that that's probably the uh, yeah it, it, it's it's all the little stuff. You know, mm-hmm. people have come back in and modded stuff to add them back in. And like I said, the best way to play this game is to mod the shit out of it. Uh, but I, I mean that in a good way and not in like a Skyrim mod the shit out of it so that the game is actually good. So uh, you can skip the intro. <laughs> way, yeah. Uh, what do you think is the strongest aspect of the game? I definitely the the world building and the character building. There are a lot yes. of really great memorable characters. A famous example for me personally, I know a lot of people mean this character to shit, but Easy Pete is such a great standalone character uh in that he's he's just th- the simplest way to introduce a character to the world of Fallout um because he talks about his life as a prospector um but uh he tells you that not a prospector like I go mining I go into ruins to find to salvage um old world tech and that's how you as a player learn that hey if i want to find cool shit i should probably go into ruins yeah he tells you about the ncr and caesar's legion through the the perspective of just a regular guy um and i uh, it's yeah it's just little things like that just characters and how they see the world just as normal people trying to survive day to day in this post apocalypse, the writing, just just the writing in general, I think is the strongest part of Fallout New Vegas alone. Very good. Uh, what's your favorite location in the game? You have a favorite song? For, uh, yeah, let's start. What's your favorite location in the game? What's your favorite area to go to? Oh Christ Almighty, Lordy Lou! Uh, probably Big Mountain uh, as part of the uh, the um, Old World Blues DLC. 
uh, just because it's it's there's a lot of really cool shit to find in there. Um, I, I some of the 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 things you fight are really fucking cool and in in fun to 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 deal with. Uh, you find one of the best armors in the game in 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 Big Mountain, uh, which is a stealth suit that talks to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, old, uh, Big Mountain, the the sort of main area for Old World Blues, is definitely my favorite location. Yeah, I think from a visual standpoint, my favorite is probably the Sierra Madre. Uh, mm. Just just that, especially when you first show up and you're at that. Uh, fountain and then you look and you see that the giant sierra madre off on the cliffs in the distance i think it's a really really palpable visual uh just as a location to go to uh in the main world uh you know it's i just it's kind of cheap kind of a cheap move uh the strip it's just a really nice area yeah Uh, it's a, a big switch between these like blown out desert areas to like, Ooh, these fancy glittery casinos. It's that are still a little dirty. Uh, it's, it's a really big shift and I think it works really well. They handle it really, really well, especially with, with all the buildup for yet to like pass a credit check, uh, mm. with the robots or you can just tell them to fuck off if you have a high enough skill. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a really, really big impactful moment. Uh, What's your favorite song from the soundtrack? And I don't mean like the the background music soundtrack, which, you know, Enon Zur, great soundtrack as usual, but mm. a lot of that is reused from Fallout 1 and 2. I'm specifically talking about like the radio songs. I have got spurs that jingle, jangle, jingle. I got to agree. It's, it's, it's just such a great song, you know? You can you can t- keep your big irons. You can keep your Johnny guitars. <laughs> you can keep your fucking Johnny guitars. I'm sick of that fucking song because there again, is a bug where that song plays twice as many times as it's supposed to. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, just we, we there's so much of this game that we haven't talked about, and this is going to be a very long episode. Uh, but just there, there's so much like mr new vegas all this really great stuff with the radio uh it's they they handle having there, there's two game franchises i feel like that really handle having great licensed soundtracks well three uh it's this and uh the bioshock games which have a bunch of really great uh similar uh era songs uh and also grand theft auto because they always have really great licensed soundtracks yeah, yeah. uh it's just that that's I, I think I think this is the first game we we've talked about on the show that has li- a licensed soundtrack. Uh, but yeah, ju- just having those songs that are from a different time from when it takes place, but still so palpably fit within the world, I think is really really great. Uh, two more. Do you think there's any possibility that Obsidian could come back to this franchise, especially now that, uh, thanks to corporate overlord Microsoft, uh, they own both Bethesda and Obsidian? I don't know if this is some, um, fucking rumor that was generated from the bad games article rumor mill, but Mm -hmm. I think there is, there is, there is some... 
some rumblings behind the scenes from what I understand that they might make a new Vegas 2. I don't think it would be I like a direct, hey, we're going to make uh, a game in the same location. Uh, if Obsidian were to make a new Fallout game, I believe they would probably make it in the San Francisco area. Um, especially considering like it was mentioned fairly heavily in Fallout 4 uh, as as a location. Um, It'd be really interesting. Yeah, and considering that's where Obsidian is, like it's it's it for for me, it would be a no brainer that they would make a Fallout game in in San Francisco, because like it, that's already a location in Fallout Two anyway. So yeah, it's I part of me, you know, is interested in 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 them doing that, but also at the same time, you know, I the Outer Worlds has me a little wary of them doing that. Mm. Maybe it's just because it was a new world that they had to come up with. And it wasn't as well established as Fallout that they didn't have, you know, the time to stretch their wings and and make something that was really good. I, I hope that they don't do the same sort of quest design as they did in the Outer Worlds if they do make yeah. this game. Uh, I, I I think I want, I want be... them to have I want them to have sort of more ambiguous stories and more free and open quest designs instead of being mm -hmm. like, yeah, what they did in the Outer Worlds. I think it would probably help because they'd probably use the same engine uh, as they have for for Fallout Four, the the updated. Uh, is it Gamebryo? I forget what engine they use. It's, it's called um, the Bethesda. It's called the Bethesda Creation Engine now, but it's basically uh, like how Source is a the Source engine is a, basically a very, very, very heavily modified Quake engine. Yeah. Uh, Creation is a very heavily modified version of the Gamebryo engine. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like if they just gave them the Creation Kit shit, I, I think they'd be able to because then they wouldn't have to worry about a lot of the um the uh the engine building stuff that comes with game design uh yeah i think they could i think they could pull it off again for sure we we shall see if they ever do that uh last question how has new vegas affected you how has it made you think about games differently i how has it oh christ almighty this is a question it's the big um, one i i think it, it definitely opened up the world to <laughs> it opened up the world of uh games could be good for me uh, and I sort of started uh, uh, looking a bit more, maybe not critically at games, uh, but I definitely started looking more towards uh, games that were uh, role-playing focused. Uh, Fallout New Vegas definitely opened up um, uh, a lot of the the other older RPG games for me, like um, uh, like Neverwinter Nights, uh, like Icewind Dale like the the other the, the previous uh, isometric fallout games uh and then uh later on i sort of got more into like D D and stuff like that mm -hmm. and that opened up uh the 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 D uh yeah like D, &D games like neverwinter nights and icewind dale and um pathfinder kingmaker and wrath of the righteous as well so i i think that uh that uh, fallout new vegas is a gateway drug to tabletop role-playing game video games yeah uh i i haven't sort of gotten into that but it's certainly a really great game that as as i said probably the best game of the decade uh and i think works very very well it's a very good game it's on sale all the time on steam by the mm. ultimate edition uh mod the shit out of it make it look good make it look bad it doesn't matter uh, it's still going to be a really, really great game. 
uh, at its core. So, yes. Sir B, thank you for coming on to this program. Thank you so much for having me once again. It's been, it's been a delight. We're, we have officially run out of Canadians to be on this program. <laughs> uh, I only have two Canadians that I can use at the same time. Uh, it's, uh, I also looked it up. Uh, 9% of our audience is Canadian. Wow. We, we just number, number two behind the United States of America. So, you know, get, get pump those numbers up, Canada, get in there. Uh, I'll, I, I'll I tell guess, all my Canadian friends to listen to this podcast. You're, 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 I guess you and King are my, uh, my CanCon. So I've got that on the board for me. So there you go, <laughs> Canada. You, you have to put them on your radio stations now. It's required by law. It's mandatory. It's mandatory. Uh, but yeah, it's been a great, it's been great having you on. It's been a hell of an episode. A lot of game to talk about. There's still so much more that we haven't talked about, but just go out and play yeah. this game. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's great. Next week, we're going to be having uh, my good friend, the nifty fucking table baby, yeah, VA, uh, to talk about Little Big Planet 2, uh, which is going to be really interesting, I think, because there's a lot. I feel like that's going to have a, be a game that has a lot of very interesting uh, stories to tell about it, specifically from the online creator gameplay stuff. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So. I'll see you guys next week. Stay responsible. Uh, bye bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you.